0: My name is Siddhanchu and welcome to the Swadeshi Videshi podcast where we try to find out more about India and explore more about Indians through an insider and outsider's perspective. Do me a favor and imagine a young individual who comes from a modest background from rural India. And they have seen um, the prospects outside of their town, their district, their state, their country, and they want to obviously study and prosper their life. So what they do is they do well in school, uh, they look out for opportunities, and they want to study abroad, uh, the United States, go to college, work there, pay off their education, uh, pay off and do well for themselves and their family. Is that a crime? No. And yet, there are over 200 Indian nationals uh, either in jail in the United States, have either been deported, or are being prosecuted, and their hearings are currently going on in the United States judiciary system. What is this all about? Well, most of you have probably heard about it. Um, for the past year or so, cases have been taking on, and the Detroit News uh, did an incredible sting where they uh, released and, and everyone picked it up and talked about how two US agencies, the Department of Homeland Security and ICE, the immigrant's nightmare, <laughs> um, created a fake university to, and I say this word uh, uh, without any doubt, entrap young immigrants. And in this case, all the immigrants turned out to be from India. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, here's what the background issue is. So what happens is in the United States, because there are for-profit institutions, most of the times, um, some of the times actually, uh, fake universities are set up, right? So they'll set an institution, people will apply, uh, people will apply on the basis of them getting accepted to this institution, and then they will Uh, come to the United States, the university will either, you know, shut down or they might lose accreditation if it was a real university. And the students then either have a choice to go back and lose out on all the money that they've spent to this for-profit institution, or they, and and a lot of times this happens, uh, what they do is they uh, end up staying back trying to pay off the loans that they took to finance their education, which has now gone to the drain. Um, And, you know, sadly uh, violate their visa conditions. Now, this happens, has happened, and the United States government has gotten better in doing so. But in this specific case, what happened is that the United States government commissioned an entire Ponzi scheme of sorts by setting up a fake university, doing outreach for that fake university, recruiting people for that fake university, and once people came attended the university, arresting those people for doing so. Now, what really infuriates me is that again, in the United States uh, law, the burden is on the student to you know ensure that this university uh, is legal, everything is fine, and you know it's accredited. But and and I'm sorry that I'm getting so excited and riled up, but if you look into the University of Farmington issue, uh, which was a fake university set up in Michigan uh, near Detroit, um, what happens is that it was so elaborate. It had a you know a somewhat campus. It had uh, classes, and there were professors that were hired that were ICE agents. That it was such an elaborate scheme that it. You know leaves you without doubt that this was only to entrap young and innocent students um, and that infuriates me i mean i did some research and if you go and now they've taken down the university of farmington website but because of web archiving if you're able to go uh go to any web archive uh software or website and put in universityoffarmington.edu and what you see is this incredibly elaborate website uh, with, uh, you know, with comparative uh, of an infrastructure and, and I, I guess uh, website and, and kind of like marketing of any small for-profit university that exists, right? And it says that the degrees offered were from BBA, BS, MBA, MS, right? So undergraduates and graduates. and. What's incredibly infuriating is that ICE partnered up with accreditation um, and other uh, U.S. institutions to give this university an accreditation. And on their website, as well as on Weiss's uh, Department of Homeland Sec- uh, Security's website as well, this is what it says. And I'm reading this off. The University of Farmington is accredited by the accrediting commission of career schools and colleges um and it shows a list and university of farmington was on there um as well you know and that list is the list that you know institutions like harvard columbia stanford everything is on there that's actually accredited and licensed by the michigan department of licensing and regulatory affairs as a private post-secondary college that is also uh, verified it's on their list as well the university of farmington is approved by the u.s department of homeland security student and exchange visitor program to enroll international students so what This is saying is basically, the Department of Homeland put this on their list and said, hey, this is a fair and right uh, university, please do come to it, right? And they would charge anywhere between, you know, $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 per semester, um, maybe even less than that, um, depending on the degree, uh, and and to uh, get an education. So, and they also recruited other Indians to help recruit other Indians in, you know, uh, rural India to come to this university, and as soon as there were two hundred to two hundred fifty uh, students there, they shut down the university, and then prosecuted every single individual, deported them, and also took away their money. This seems like a nightmare. It seems like something that you know can't be true, but it's exactly what's happened at University of Farmington. You know, the United States government has purposely recruited people and made them criminals because these young people wanted a better life, a better education. That's incredibly terrifying. And, and, and an elaborate Ponzi scheme just to entrap students uh, scares me, scares me about what's going to happen next, but also how alarmingly uh, scary tactics uh, that the government is now using uh, to entrap young students and all of this really confuses me because this has gone for on for the past year and especially in Jan Feb March of 2019 this is when it was going when thousands and thousands of uh, not thousands, I'm sorry um, uh, a lot of these students um, 50 60 at times were being deported right because they you know prosecuted them deported them in, in groups and in bulks. Um, for violating visa conditions and outstaying and, and for so many reasons that we'll later on get into. Um, but one of the things that really confuses me is what was the India government doing? Because um, as Indian nationals, uh, and we'll get into this later as well, um, you have the ability uh, to talk to the consulate. But also, once this deportation is happening and these numbers that are happening... Um, the uh, The Indian government also knows um, they're on the same use of uh, Indian, visa, uh, Indian passports, U.S. visas, so they're going through um, the same official track, and obviously the U.S. government is giving them the reason why they're being deported, and you have that background. So there was just way too many students going back to India, being deported, being prosecuted in jails from the same university for the Indian government to not raise alarms and for them to not understand. And this issue hasn't come up uh, with the government. And I'm confused and uh, saddened and alarmed that how can we let this go where our own young uh, Indians are suffering, have been uh, deported back, have had monetary losses, whereas the United States government, the Department of Homeland Security, has profited off of entrapping young Indian nationals. And the Indian government does nothing. I had to understand what's going on and to peel off its layers, And to do that, I had to speak with an expert, someone who not only understood what's going on within this case, but also U.S. immigration, the laws, and the impact that it's going to have in the future. Earlier this week, I had that opportunity. And this week, we have Teresa Brown, who is the Director of Immigration and Policy at the Bipartisan Policy Center, and she's also worked with the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Chambers of Commerce. Teresa, it's a pleasure to have you today.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: So I'm going to get right into it, because I'm trying to understand this issue myself. What ICE did with establishing this uh, university, is that legal?
1: Well, I think that's a a bit of an open question. And one of the challenges here is that, yes, in general, the government is allowed this particular um, operation is legal or not would have to be tested in court and unfortunately where we stand right now with the cases is it doesn't look like the legality is likely to get that much of a test in part because most of the students have agreed to what's called voluntary departure which means that the government allows them to depart on their own rather than staying and fighting their case in immigration court. And most of the recruiters that have been criminally charged pled guilty, which means they're not necessarily going to be a trial for them either, because the only way this would be decided one way or the other, whether what the government did was legal or not, would be if you know, one perhaps in immigration court, if one of the students fights their deportation and argues that what the government did was not acceptable, that might provide a ground for relief for that individual, or in the criminal court if one of the defendants. Um, argued that they were basically entrapped by the government into taking these actions. Um, Otherwise, it's not clear that there would be any adjudication of whether or not the way that the government did this was legal.
0: So uh, what I'm getting is, is, uh, well, first of all, just background, has this tactic of sorts been um, conducted by ICE before? And um, if not, is this setting a dangerous precedent if it's not going to be contested in court?
1: Well, it has been done before Mm -hmm. Uh, that previously they created a a university called the University of North New Jersey, Um, similar tactics, uh, a couple that that was uh, that case came up about a year and a year and a half ago with similar results. Although um, in that case, most of the students were not uh, formally removed. A lot of them were allowed to find other universities to apply to. So the enforcement was not necessarily after them. Um, It's, it's really unclear. you know certainly if the government believes that this was a, su- a success from their end and certainly if they get plea uh, deals and convictions of recruiters and uh, deportations of students they might believe that it's uh, that that's successful from there and they might try it again um, and, and I think that you know there's there's a couple of things one is yes it could be challenged in court by again anyone who's involved in in these these cases and Congress could uh, conduct some oversight of this and I expect certainly democratically-led House of Representatives there might be some hearings uh, to inquire about this and uh, and conduct oversight Um, there could be oversight by the department's own inspector general at the request of Congress or on its own and there could be oversight by the uh, government accountability office uh, again at the request of Congress to review this and 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 say whether or not they thought that the um, agency had extended its mandate in doing this um, so those are the those are the most likely ways that, that this can come about in terms of oversight and investigation of it. Um, but again, and it's it's something that the, the the agency at the moment appears to think has been successful and is a, a worthwhile type of operation to do.
0: Okay, so two follow up questions. One, um, and I think a lot of b- listeners will will be curious about this: is uh, this method, uh, this tactic of ICE, um, has this been deployed? Uh, Within, I I think post the Trump presidency, or um, has it been during the Obama administration as well? I mean, we all know that ICE was active uh, during his term as well. But have have they started using these tactics really after that, or does it does the timeline on just matter?
1: Well, both of these cases actually were started under the previous administration, but came to fruition under this administration. So. Uh, what does that mean, by the way, uh, started? Uh, so, so the, the setup of the universities, the initiation of the, of the investigations and the operation, all of the beginnings of it happened in the later uh, years of the Obama presidency. So this was something that ICE was, has been working on for several years, mm-hmm. and they only, they only concluded it. In other words, shut down the operation, went after the people that they were accusing of fraud uh, this year and, and last year with the University of North New Jersey. But both of these things, again, these types of, of, of operations, can take several years to set up, to establish, to go through until the agency believes that it has all of the information it needs and or all of the evidence it needs to go ahead and launch prosecutions against individuals. So, um, you know, it's not, it's usually not a short-term thing. And these, again, these operations, you know, for three to four or four to five years are not not necessarily unusual.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's super important, I guess, a clarification, because I think, uh, people, a lot of people my age would be on a high horse about how this is all Trump's fault. Um, but this is, I think, more a, a systemic issue. Um, and the, the the other clarification and, I guess, follow up that I had about was the oversight and the accountability aspect of it. Um, so you were talking about how Congress can have this oversight, um, kind of have hold them accountable. Um, but I, I'm curious is, you know, who would this kind of fall under. So I'm thinking in, in a perspective of, let's say the India caucus, right? Uh, the India caucus will primarily work uh, on the Indian American aspect, right? Um, this, this deals with Indians from India, right?
1: Um, well, it, it deals with students from anywhere. It just so happens that the majority of these individuals that were caught up in this were, were Indians from India. I don't know that it was necessarily targeting that population. I, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about it. Um, it could have been nationals from anywhere, but it is true that an awful lot of students in the United States are from India. So, just proportionally, you'd expect that Indians might be more likely to be engaged or, or caught up in something like this. Um, th- that, that could be one of the questions for oversight is whether or not it was targeting a particular nationality and whether. Or not that was appropriate. Um, you asked who would be in charge. Uh, you know, the India Caucus is basically a group of members. It's an informal caucus of our of our Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's members that engage and discuss and dialogue on I- issues of concern to the Indian American community or the US-India relationship, mm-hmm. but they're not a formal committee structure. So they could request one of the committees. In this case, it would probably be either the Committee on Homeland Security or the Judiciary Committee, which has formal oversight responsibilities for the Department of Homeland Security, and in particular, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. One of those committees um, would be the logical place to conduct a hearing on oversight of of this or to request... um, Either the DHS Inspector General or the Government Accountability Office to engage in an investigation and report. So, um, you know that that would be the that would be the mechanism, and it could happen in the House or the Senate. But again, the Senate is it is Republicans um, who probably would support this action by the President. I can't say generally, but uh, are less likely, probably in the current situation politically, to conduct such oversight. But the House, which is controlled by the Democrats, might be more likely to conduct this type of oversight hearing.
0: Okay. Now, when you talk about um, at the end of the day, uh, you were briefing about how most of the people have either been deported back, some of them are still on trial. Um, I think the trial started in January from the research that I've done. Um, what does that mean in terms of when they're deported back? Where does the host country come into this at all? Um, if at all? Or um, do they have a say in this? Or are, are they being heard? Um, any, any, anything from the host nation? Regardless,
1: well, there's not a formal role for the host nation. Right. Um, individuals always have the opportunity to contact their consulate um, mm-hmm. if they are in legal jeopardy uh, in the United States. But the consulate's role is really to advise the individuals about the legal proceedings uh, to the extent they can in the the United States. Um, They can't really intervene uh, directly into basically a criminal court case in this case or an immigration case. Hmm. Um, But certainly the government of India, if they feel that their citizens are being um, inappropriately targeted Hmm. could raise diplomatic concerns to the government of the United States. Um, and I'm not aware whether or not the government in India has done so, but that's certainly one mechanism by which they could raise those concerns um, to the government and ask for, you know, some sort of uh, explanation and/or, um, you know, accountability for, for the actions. But, uh, you know, legally the issue is really about the the individuals and their and their status. And and it's important to understand there's two groups of cases that came out of this. Mm-hmm. The first is for the students in, in student status, um, who it was their it's their immigration status that is in jeopardy. If you're not enrolled uh, in a authorized you know valid authorized school, taking a valid authorized course of study. Um, your your immigration status in the United States is, is basically null and void and for these individual students because they were enrolled in a university that turned out to be a fraudulent university, they were not legally enrolled and so their immigration status was invalid. So they went through immigration proceedings and as I said, the majority of them chose not to contest their uh, their departure from the United States and returned under something called voluntary departure, which means it's not a formal deportation. Um, however, it, it might have consequences for return to the United States if when they, temp, when they try to return to the United States on a future visa, the consular officer issuing the visa has questions about whether or not they you know, impermissibly tried to extend their stay in the United States that could affect whether or not they would be granted a visa in the future. Um, some few of them are contesting their deportation in immigration court, um, and you know, we'll wait to see the outcome of those cases. Um, they, that might result in a formal deportation, or they might uh, obtain some sort of relief from the court allowing them to stay. Um, the criminal cases are in criminal court, and those people are charged with criminally uh, criminal immigration fraud because uh, they are the recruiters that were um, recruited by ICE to recruit other students and were paid for that effort. And supposedly they had higher level of knowledge that this was in fact a a fraudulent uh, university. Um, Those criminal charges uh, can lead to jail time or fines um and since most of those individuals are also foreign nationals at the end of that process they might also be deported back so there's two separate processes going on one is the criminal cases and one is the the immigration cases and i think it's worth understanding the distinction between the two
0: no that helps um one clarification the recruiters themselves that are under criminal trial um all many of them uh from you know the newspapers that have covered this um, have stated that they were also students um, who had immigrated and were recruited by the university itself. Um, it, yes. Does, does uh, not that sound a bit fishy? And and won't that help them in their own case when they're defending themselves?
1: Uh, you know, that's a that, that that's something I would probably you know ask ask lawyers to align <laughs> on. Um, you know, from from what I understand, uh, you know, they uh, they themselves were students. Some of them were asked by the university to recruit other students for money for cash. Others were asked to recruit other students in exchange for tuition credit, um, both of which would be considered unauthorized employment um, in the United States under their immigration status. And again, the government is charging, and I don't have enough understanding again that this is gonna be decided in the courts, that that these individuals knew that what they were doing was recruiting people to a university that didn't that didn't have actual classes so it was fraudulent so the government is asserting that they knew what they were doing and they knew what they were doing was problematic and they took the money anyway um and so that's why they're being criminally charged um that exact thing would be the subject of you know a a, a court process a, a, a you know judicial process and a judge might decide whether or not, you know, which side is telling the truth or if the individuals are claiming they didn't know. But since most of them pled guilty, it never gets to that point of adjudication. They, mm-hmm. they admitted fault and are, are, are returning home. If any of them are contesting the charges against them uh, and arguing that they're innocent and not guilty, that's when in a criminal trial, some of these issues might come to light.
0: So hypothetically, let's assume that someone would contest this. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm just curious that... Um, this uh, college, uh, Farmington, University of Farmington, this was established and made out to be that this is a credible institution. Am I correct? Or was it completely a Ponzi scheme that, you know, everyone that was going in knew that this was an absolutely fake university? Or was it because from my understanding, there were certifications that were given to Farmington, they had a building, Um, they had, you know, they had hired professors. So the entire Things seemed like it wasn't uh it was a well obviously it was a setup but it was a very compelling setup if that makes sense
1: i, I think i think that's ex- exactly the way to put it it was a setup it was set up by ice investigators uh with the purpose of recruiting individuals into the scheme to recruit other individuals who were they say uh pay to stay right <laughs> that they they knew that they were not uh a actually taking any courses, but they were paying money to to enable them to extend their their student status. That's that's what they're alleging. But you're absolutely correct. In setting this university up, they did a couple of things that made it really appear very legitimate. The first thing is that they actually listed as an approved university on the ICE website. Any institution that wants to host foreign students must apply to and be approved by Immigration and Customs Enforcement to host foreign students and there are a lot of requirements to get that certification Um, One of which is you have to have a location you have to have actual teachers and actual classes that people attend in person You have to be uh, you know a degree granting Institution or otherwise you have your credits recognized you have to be accredited by a recognized accreditation agency Mm -hmm. so If ICE is saying and listing on this website that this is a school that is authorized to accept foreign students, the presumption is it has met all of those requirements, otherwise ICE wouldn't give it its status. So there's one one sort of tick in the it's a legitimate school column, right? Mm -hmm. The other is that ICE worked with the accreditation organization to have them also say that they accredited this fake university. So if you went to the accreditation site it would also say that this was an accredited location so that's you know if if i'm a foreign student and i'm trying to look at universities and schools i may never have heard of this place but two uh, authorities that i would usually trust have said yes it's a good school mm-hmm. now if you dig a little further would you find out that you don't seem to have a history there or you don't have classes or professors maybe but One of the things that I think it's important to understand, and why it may have been so easy for people to get caught up in this, is that the rules about obtaining and maintaining student status in the United States under immigration system are really complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And most students rely very heavily on their institutions to help them stay in status. First of all, you have to get your forms from the institution. Mm -hmm. Um, They have most, most institutions will have foreign student advisors that help you understand that, hey, you have to maintain a certain course load. You can't just withdraw from a bunch of classes. You have to actually stay in school. You can't work on campus or off campus without authorization. If you want to change majors or programs, you have to go through forms. If you want to transfer schools, here's how you do it. I mean, there's a lot of detail involved to maintain that status and when people are finishing one program and looking to extend their stay and looking for another institution to continue their stay, um, you know, they have to, they have to put in some homework at the end of the day. Our immigration law says that it is, the burden is always on the foreign national to know the rules and maintain their status, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it may have been, you know, a lot of people may have been susceptible to these kind of, um, to this kind of uh, uh, an operation. The other thing to bear in mind is the reason that I undertook this operation is because there are these fraudulent universities out there. Not ones the government set up, but ones that, that other you know, people trying to fraudulently uh, you know, enroll people and take their money and keep them in the United States when they're not actually taking classes exist. And so one of the things the government has said when it, uh, about this operation was that they were trying to understand the types of people and the types of um, uh, of, 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 of activities that these fraudulent uh, universities engage in so they can better go investigate and attack them. I think the, the other side of that argument is that if you know these other universities are out there, why set up your own? Why not just go after them? Um, so it's it's a little bit of a wild west out there when it comes to you know, foreign students in the United States, and I think that the main the main lesson for everyone should be exercise caution, do extra due diligence, talk to um, you know a lot of people about it, get all the information you can, and to the best of your ability, stay with known institutions and known names. Mm-hmm. Um, that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is mm-hmm. um, and, and, and be, care, be careful out there.
0: I think it's interesting, um, you know one of the things you said was was the burden is on the students. Um, but I think the larger issue that comes up and I doing some research on this issue, uh, two things came up that I that I personally was shocked about is a that they actually had the help of recruiters within India. Um, so not just individual recruiters, but visa companies to really reach out to these students to actually recruit them in the first place. Right. Um, yeah. And that in itself is disturbing. But the second really disturbing issue is, you know, the demographic that that they were really targeting. Um, a lot of these uh, articles and coverage that, the you know, these stories and narratives that have come up are of, 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 of Indians, I guess, that are from, you know, what we classify as tier two, tier three, tier four um, and that just refers to, you know, how small the cities are and, you know, how rural they are as well um, and in and, and, and population size. So the access, the knowledge isn't, are, isn't on the same level as it might be for, let's say, a, uh, someone applying from, you know, Delhi or Bombay in, in these large cities. So specifically targeting these rural-centric areas where that knowledge and what you were talking about, that, that information that, you know, you should be uh, aware about, uh, might not come as easy, if that makes sense, especially when a visa-sponsoring organization in your area is saying, hey, what about this university? So it really does seem like an, uh, an incredible setup and an elaborate one to truly trap people, uh, from, from my perspective at least.
1: Well, uh, two things I would say, um, you know, the, the presence of recruiters abroad um, who are making money, uh, or trying to make money by encouraging people to come to the United States. Um, you know, it's difficult for the United States to regulate that. They don't have any official tie, Mm -hmm. um, to the government. They are not officially authorized. They can't grant student status, um, if they're trying to play matchmaker, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I would argue that, you know, maybe that's something the Indian government could look into is those organizations in India, they're trying to do that. And are they all on the up and up, right? Or mm-hmm. are they going after people who they think would be most vulnerable and trying to encourage them? Um, I think that's something that both in the United States and in other countries, these, these middle operators, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, whether they're recruiting for jobs or they're recruiting for schools, they're not really well regulated at all, or if regulated at all. And I think that's an area that both governments could and should do more work on is to try to figure out how do you regulate these these middle men, if you will, to make sure that they are operating on the up and up um, because they are earning money in this process too and and who are they really representing. I, I, you know, I think you're right. The news reports that I have seen are that an awful lot of these students were from rural areas in India. I can't say whether or not that was who the government was actually targeting, but I would also say that that's probably the group that is most vulnerable to this kind of a, a, of an issue. Mm -hmm. If that is that they are people who are desperate to come to and or stay in the United States. They see that as a, a, a way to gain, uh, you know, economic advantage over where they came from. And, desperation does sometimes breed uh susceptibility to these kind of things and um you know i think it's 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 tragic it's it means that people are playing on people's de- desperation mm-hmm. um and whether or not they they believe that they're doing it legitimately uh in that this is a lawful way for you to come and stay um or you know they 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 know that they're engaging in a fraud um they are they're playing on that desperation to frankly, make a buck for themselves. Um, and, and this is true, you know, whether or not the government are correctly engaged in that. Again, what the government did is also being done by other like actors mm-hmm. in the system that are not the government, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the reasons the government could do this is also because these are, there are other places out there like this, and that's who they were trying to, to figure out how to go after. So I think that, again, my, my admonition, um, I know it, it can be very difficult, but it's definitely to do all you can, um, and probably more so, uh, you know, contact the U S government, um, the, the U S United States embassies or consulates can help, uh, you know, understand what's legitimate and what's not. Um, and whether or not people are playing a a good, you know, legitimate game a role in this or not, um, you know, do all the homework and research. Uh, it's not, it's not necessarily the best thing to trust those who've gone before you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that's another way this sort of happens is it's word of mouth. Uh, so-and-so from the village or the town has gone and found a landing place and, hey, this sounds really good and I can get you in too. And, and again, these actors, whether it's government or bad actors, play upon that to get other people enrolled and get more money. So, um, you know, do your own homework. Don't necessarily just rely on what you hear from friends and neighbors or family.
0: No that's, that's incredibly helpful. Last question. Um, many reports state that uh, many millions of dollars uh, were made off of this scheme, and those millions of dollars came from uh, student loans um, that these uh, international students took. Uh, they came from selling land um, that these uh, students sold to finance their funding. Um, what happens to that money?
1: Uh, unfortunately, I believe it's probably forfeit to the government um, that, uh, you know, the... The you know that's another area where I'm sure that government oversight to track that would be um, appropriate. But in general, um, laws in the United States say that money's collected by an agency in the course of a uh, operation can be used to for additional law enforcement efforts. It goes into a forfe- forfeiture fund, um, but that money is likely forfeit.
0: Okay, so um the money made off of this scheme is going to go into uh more schemes uh for the government to trap <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it, that's that's one of the ways the government funds its operations is uh is done yeah
0: well on that depressing note thank you so much for joining <laughs> me um and you know i really appreciate the insight listening in to this episode of Sudeshi Videshi. If you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, concerns, or just want to send some love, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Sudhanshu Kaushik or Twitter at Sudhi Kaushik. We'll be back soon with another episode where we try to find out more about India and Indians through an insider and outsider's perspective.